Good morning. Let's stand up. Today's the day that God has made for us. So let's worship. Here we go. Set my cares aside. I'm leaving my past behind. I'm reaching my hands to you, Jesus. I'm reaching my hands to yours. Believing there's so much more. Knowing that all you have in store for me is good. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, I won't worry about tomorrow. Trust in I'm leaving my doubts behind Giving my hopes and dreams to you Jesus I'm reaching my hands to yours Believing there's so much more Knowing that all you have in store for me so good so inspiring so Psalm 150 says let everything that has breath praise the Lord and inside that scripture it says praise the Lord with stringed instruments we thank the Lord for our worship team we thank the Lord for our worship team today lead you in worship yeah sing I will stand upon your truth sing I will stand upon your truth and all my days I live for you
Yeah, praise the Lord.
God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we could come to church on this beautiful free place uh, we get to call our home. And um, God, uh, today is a day that you've made. We came in, we sang about it. And um, I'm reminded uh, that uh, church on a Sunday can kind of be like a lighthouse where uh, we're just seeking refuge from the storm. And maybe uh, church can today can be a, maybe a bit of a harbor of hope for some people uh, with some uh, crashing waves going on in life. We all take our turn, it seems like. And so uh, today we just acknowledge you as God and having a presence in our life and uh, being the one who's made us for himself and acknowledge you, Jesus, as the one who has died for us and lived a life that we could uh, try to imitate the best we can. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as comforter and friend and challenger and convictor and encourager of our faith. So uh, this uh, three-in-one, we worship you today. We acknowledge you today. We say today is your day, and we thank you for the freedom we have in you. We all say together. Amen. God bless you guys. So glad you're here. I'm Billy. I'm the worship pastor. And uh, we do this thing called the meet and greet. Uh, Maybe just introduce yourself to somebody. Tell them your name. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks, gang. Good morning, Hopeville. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Hey, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here. and just want to extend a special welcome uh, this morning. So glad that you chose to worship with us today. And if it's your first time, uh, an extra special welcome. We really consider you uh, our VIP guest today. And so just want to invite you on the program, on the backside, on the bottom, to fill out some information about yourself. And you uh, can take that to the Welcome Center in the lobby. And we have a gift for you there. Uh, Or if you'd rather not do that, we would uh, invite you to fill that out and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around in a couple minutes. Uh, But again, just so glad that you are worshiping with us here at Hopevale today. Got an announcement to make. A week from this Tuesday, we are hosting a David Phelps... uh, concert that benefits the rescue mission locally. Uh, Over the past number of years, uh, we have hosted a benefit concert for the mission, and we're happy to be able to do this again. David Phelps is coming to share this stage on that Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and we actually have friends from the rescue mission on hand with us today, so you can go to the info desk out in the lobby to my right, your left, and purchase physical tickets today if you would like. Uh, If you don't have cash or check on you today for that, you can visit the website and purchase those tickets there. But we hope to see you out. Uh, David Phelps sang in the Gaither Vocal Band for 15 years, a Grammy winner. Um, As a vocalist, Billy is extremely excited about David Phelps coming. I have no idea. Not only that, though, our Hopevale worship team is opening the night for David Phelps. So it's going to be a great night of worship. Yeah. Hey. Don't tell David Phelps that happened, okay? (laughs) But no, really, we hope you come out to benefit the rescue mission that night. We're really looking forward to that. Well, as we continue our service today, we're going to move into a time of offering. And so I want to invite our ushers to come forward. And as I was just reflecting on a time of giving today... Uh, This passage in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks a little bit about giving, came to mind. And, you know, Jesus talked about how, uh, you know, we're not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth because uh, moth and rust destroy, and what we know and experience here on this earth is limited, right? But he said to store up for yourselves treasures on heaven. And we can do that in so many different ways through our lives. And one of those ways is through giving financially. 
right? And so his, uh, Jesus's encouragement to us is to not hold on to those things for ourselves, but to give them away. And he says, for there your, uh, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also, right? And so for us today, it's this reminder that um, our, our giving of our finances back to the Lord isn't because he needs it. It's because uh, it gives us an opportunity to respond to what Christ has done for us. And it aligns our heart with his mission and his purpose. And Hopewell, you've been such a generous church over the years, and we thank you for that. And it's our prayer that we would continue to grow as a generous congregation in these areas uh, for the purposes of God's kingdom, right? And to expand the reach of uh the, the gospel and the church in this region for the glory of Jesus. And so that is the heart behind why we give uh, to align ourselves with the Lord. So let's go to the Lord as we prepare to give. Heavenly Father, you are the king of the universe. And uh, it just, it, it's reminders like these that just put us in our place, God. Even these songs that we've sung so far this morning Uh, to say that you're God and we are not. Lord, we are so insignificant in the light of your glory. And yet, Lord, you have chosen to invite us into your story. Uh, Personally, God, for what you have done for each and every one of us. And then, Lord, just the calling that you have given your church uh, to go out into the world and share the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so, Lord, uh, we want to place our, our treasures in alignment to that end. God, time, talent, resources, all of it. We just want to lay ourselves at your feet and say, uh, we are yours. We want to be used by you so that your name would be glorified right here uh, in the Great Lakes Bay region and around the world as well. So God, take and use these offerings that we are about to give back to you uh, to that end. God, glorify your name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, ushers, for serving this morning. It's great. Hey, uh, while they're uh, collecting this morning's offering, I thought I'd just talk about something uh, kind of on a serious note. Um, as you can tell, I, I lift a lot of weights. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> I used to lift a lot of weights. So uh, in high school, uh, I was like, I'm like, let's get jacked, let's do this. So I uh, spent a lot of time in the weight room, like in class and then after school so, and in college or whatever. But I had this high school weightlifting coach uh, who would, uh, he's like, all right, Petty, it's good to see you, Petty. You're putting it in, man. You're going to get it out. You're putting it in. You're going to get it out. That's what he always said. I'll never forget that guy. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> he got me thinking about this uh, thing that we do at church called worship. And this thing that we do in our life called worship is we try to honor God the best way we can. Um, As much as we can reach out to God, uh, oftentimes I find that he reaches back to us. If If you're really earnestly seeking God today, reach out to him and he will reach back. That's not always the case. Sometimes God is silent and we don't know why. Um, I've said this a few times recently. Sometimes his delay in his presence doesn't mean his denial. But um, in his ways, as it says in Isaiah, his ways are not our ways. But um, oftentimes, I've found in my own life, it's the only testimony here, 
to say that when I've reached out to the things of God in Christ, that uh, the Lord meets me in a special way as I reach out in worship. And uh, we're going to sing this next song. And it's got this line in it. It says, and all I did was praise. And all I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. And then we experience his presence because of those things. So let's reach out to the Lord together as we worship. And let's be a people that um, try to uh, just to continue to experience more and more of his presence. Love that you're here today doing that. So let's stand and worship. Take us in, Rod.
presence we come here today whatever our week looked like whatever our month has looked like whatever this year has looked like God and we come before you and we lay it all down at your feet because we know that no matter how hard we try to win our war ourselves it will never happen God that we have to rely on you wholeheartedly to win our battles for us God and the beautiful thing is the only thing we have to do is praise you through it and just stand here and worship you through it, God. God, I thank you for bringing us all here safely and I just pray that we would have open hearts to receive the message this morning. In your mighty, awesome, and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Hope Vale. Uh, I'm Dan Davis, uh, senior pastor here. Great to have you as we gather for worship. Want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City as well. Great to have you along. Let's hear that shout. Yes, I can hear it. That's awesome. That's great. So we, to be honest, are coming off a big high because last Friday night, our two locations gathered together as one church we worshiped here in Saginaw for an incredible night of worship. How many of you were a part of that? Woo! What was great about that is we had uh, people from Bay City and people from Saginaw serving together, leading us in worship, both from up front and behind the scenes, and just a great night of gathering together. So thanks to Pastor Billy, thanks to Jessica, and to everyone who led as a part of that. Uh, speaking of Bay City... Um, just want to give you a quick update on uh, our search that's going on. Beginning of September, we launched a search for our new campus pastor there. We're in the second month of that. We've been gathering resumes. We've been identifying lead candidates. We've been interacting with them through some pretty intense questionnaires as well as some interviews. And we hope that by the time we get to November, we'll emerge um, somebody or a couple people to really take through some next stages of the process. So you can continue to pray for us with that Bay City, obviously. Uh, we would love for your prayers in this as we move forward. So this morning, we're heading into the home stretch, right? We've been in this Life with a Capital L series, five weeks down. Two to go, this week and next. And once again, to lay the foundation for our understanding of what I mean when I say life with a capital L, let's take another look at these 
wonderful words of Jesus from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I have come. The eternal Son of God entered our world. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That Jesus Christ laid down his earthly life for us so that this capital L life that he offers could be ours. The kind of life where our eternal soul is forever united with the eternal God. And this union is marked by grace and gratitude, freedom and forgiveness, restoration and renewal, healing and wholeness. Like I said last week, our souls are never more at peace when we know deep down that our past is forgiven and our future is secure. And all this capital L life becomes ours not by trying harder, but by trusting fully. Trusting fully in this Jesus, the eternal Son of God and the loving Savior of all mankind. This is how the Christian life begins, the Bible says. But really, our focus for this series has been more about everything after that, right? So it's not just about us entering into this capital L life, but it's also about us experiencing as much of that life as possible and have it to the full, Jesus said, right? And so to help explain that pathway into an even greater experience of this life, we've been working our way through this life model, which I'm sure by now many of you could recite by memory and could even draw the diagram in your sleep. Here it is, right? Life with Jesus at the core, life with people in the middle circle, life with purpose as the outer ring. Life with Jesus, life with people, life with purpose. That Jesus came, died, and rose again. Why? so that we could enter into life and experience that life to its fullest. So back in September, just as a review, we started in the core about this life with Jesus that once we know Jesus personally as our Savior, so we desire to follow him more fully as our Lord, this becomes the primary relationship in our life. And it's a relationship marked by these two priorities, to glorify Jesus in everything and to grow as a Jesus follower. To glorify Jesus in everything. It's this idea where our faith is comprehensive, not compartmentalized, right? So it's much more than just one hour on Sunday. No, life with a capital L leads us to want to honor and worship Jesus every hour of our week, all 168 of them, and every area of our life. See, this is our gift of gratitude back to him. And then also it means a desire to want to grow as a Jesus follower, to live as a disciple, an apprentice, a learner, an imitator of Jesus. And that happens when we learn more, when we obey better, with the goal of becoming more and more like Jesus in our everyday lives. That's life with Jesus. And then these last couple weeks, we talked about our life with people, our life with it is not good for any of us to be alone. No, we are all created in the image of God. We are built for relationships because God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is relationships. And so the natural outflow of our life with Jesus is our life with people. That within the church then, it means connecting with other Christians, forging genuine, relational, meaningful connections with others here at Hopewell. 
so that the life with Jesus within us is flowing back and forth between us in these mutually encouraging ways. And then beyond the church, like we saw last Sunday, God sends us out beyond these four walls as the light of the world, Jesus says, to invite people to Jesus. To invite them to Jesus and the capital L life that he offers them. And we do that by sharing good news, by spreading good deeds, by living good lives. And so if you know personally for yourself this life with Jesus, you have forever been changed by his grace and mercy, then you have a story to share, right? You have a story to share, so go and tell. Tell those around you how much the Lord has done for you. Connect with other Christians. Invite people to Jesus. So now today we come to this third outer circle, right, of this life with purpose. And it's interesting because when you think about this word purpose, it harkens back to the opening message of this series where I had let off with some pretty heavy questions. You might remember those questions like, why am I here? Why do I even exist in the first place? What is the meaning? What is the purpose of my life? And so what's great about this model is that we eventually get to answer those questions of purpose, right? We do, but just not right away. Not right away. Because first, it has to start at the core. Not at the ring, but at the core of who we are with Jesus. See, Jesus is the one who gives us our value. Jesus is the one who who gives us our core identity, as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And this identity is an ultimate identity that can never, ever be taken from you, which is amazing. See, and then it's from there that our life with Jesus is lived out with people in relationships, both within and beyond the church. And then and only then, as we work our way out, can we get after a purpose that really matters. Unfortunately, though, that's not how a lot of people live their lives, which, by the way, is true of both non-Christians and Christians alike. No, we try to go after that question of purpose on our own, thinking we know best how to find it. It's like Pastor Sam mentioned to me toward the beginning of this series, that many people in life take the outside-in approach, right? They think they have to start with their purpose, and find that first, and then when they find it, it'll help them with people and their relationships, and then they'll be able to eventually make things right with God. And so in their search for meaning, they chase after things like possessions, pleasure, power, prestige, popularity, you name it, right? That if I can somehow capture this, then I'm going to find my purpose, and the emptiness in my life will be gone. But that's not how it works. No, as a matter of fact, Jesus actually taught the opposite, both in what he said and in how he lived. And there's a great illustration of this in the Gospels of the New Testament with a rather humorous and yet also intense interaction between Jesus and his disciples. And so it's worth us taking a look at that this morning because in seeing their own vanity and blind spots, I think we'll get a glimpse of ours as well. Passage is found in the New Testament book of Mark. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. We're going to look at an extended portion, so you can feel free to join me in your Bible if you have one, paper or electronic. You can also follow along on our message notes on our own Hopewell app or the YouVersion app if you look under the events tab. 
Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, says this, then James and John, these are two of the disciples, they were actually two of the three who made up Jesus' inner circle. The sons of Zebedee, their father, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. A rather bold request, isn't it? Verse 36, Jesus plays along. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. These important positions of power and prestige. Jesus, we know you're about to be king. We know that you are going to overthrow the Romans and establish your rule. So when that time comes, we want you to give us some plum positions in your cabinet, okay? I mean, after all we've done for you, I think we deserve it, right? I mean, the gall. Do you see what's going on with James and John? That these two guys have wrapped up their life purpose in these positions of power and prestige thinking that their worth as people will come by impressing others, by being thought of as important. By the way, this is after years of being with Jesus, right? Hearing his teaching, witnessing his miracles, watching his life, which modeled something completely different, and yet they are still thinking like the rest of the world. Verse 38, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? When he talks about the cup and the baptism, he's talking about this picture of suffering that is about to await him. Can you do that? Implied, I don't think you can. But they're like, no, we can, right? We know what we think is gonna lie ahead for you. And Jesus is like, no. Guys, this is about suffering, not success. This is about affliction, not acclaim. That's what is awaiting me. This is what Jesus is trying to tell them. Verse 39, talking about their future. Yes, you will drink the cup I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with because you're my followers. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. In other words, Jesus is just saying, it's not mine to give, first. And second, you are completely missing the point. So, hey, they have this conversation that goes like this. But after that, the scenery switches to the other 10 disciples. Verse 41, when the 10, the 12 minus James and John, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Indignant. And you know why the other 10 were mad at them? It's not because James and John were missing the point. No, they were mad at them because they didn't think of it first to ask Jesus for those plum positions, right? And so they were indignant, this just false sense of righteous anger, which, by the way, we're totally capable of too, right? When someone else is preferred who we think is undeserving, while we, the deserving, are left in the dust, right? They're indignant. Well, you can imagine, by this point, things are just out of control. It's as if none of them had heard a single thing Jesus had been telling them for the last few years. Verse 42, so it's time for a powwow. Let's come together, gang. And Jesus calls them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, you see what's going around. You see the way the world operates. And this culture has sucked you in to this counterfeit model of what defines your worth and value as a person. 
thinking that the quote-unquote more important you are, thinking that the more you get to boss other people around like these rulers, like these high officials, right, that this somehow is going to be the missing piece in your quest to find true and lasting purpose for your life? Verse 43, not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Not so with you. Not so with you that in your pursuit for greatness, you need to serve other people, Jesus says. Serve other people. I've said this from up front before, but it bears repeating that I find it interesting that Jesus does not condemn their desire for greatness. He just redefines it. Can I say that again? It's not that Jesus condemns their desire for greatness. He just redefines what greatness means. See, that when you have life with Jesus, you need to know that he does have great things in store for you. He really does. He just wants to make sure that you and I are chasing after the right great things. Kingdom great things, not culture great things. Verse 45, speaking of himself, he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The point is, Jesus practiced what he preached. Jesus modeled greatness as God defined it rather than the culture around him. And he did it out of a God-given purpose all the way to the end. A purpose that led him to live not just as a humble servant, but also as a suffering savior. His own desire and pursuit for greatness led him to suffer. So much so that he would give his life as a ransom for many. You want to talk about purpose? The cross was Jesus' purpose. And all the suffering, humiliation, the abandonment, the injustice that went with it. That's what Jesus endured for you so that you could have capital L life and have it to the full. To know what it is to have sins forgiven, guilt cleansed, eternity secured. And the only way that could happen was the cross. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, as a payment on the cross, in our place, for our sins, right? See, Jesus took every instinct we have about our purpose in life and he turned it upside down. That's why going back to our life model, we see that when we are rooted in life, right, and our identity comes from our life with Jesus, not chasing after some false purpose. Our true purpose is then found when we live for something bigger than ourselves. So many people are chasing after a purpose where they're the center of their own universe. But Jesus says, no, life is found with me. And as you love me and love others, then guess what? You're going to find your purpose. See, this is where Jesus got it right and the disciples got it wrong. They were in it for themselves because they thought they deserved it, right? As if Jesus owed them something. And we can fall into the same trap too if we're not rooted in the core of our life with Jesus and then living that out with our life with people. 
No, Jesus calls us to reject the false idols of purpose. Idols like how much you have or how well you're liked or how happy you're feeling. No, instead, we need to be rooted in Jesus, and when we are, we're going to find our true purpose, a purpose that means we're living for something bigger than ourselves, something more enduring, something that really matters in light of all eternity. And so with that in mind, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the first of our two life with purpose imperatives, and that's it, to serve, just like Jesus, to serve in the church, his church. In the same way that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, we too, as a community of Jesus followers, we are called to imitate him, to serve each other with the gifts God has given us. And to do so, when we do, it strengthens us. It makes us a life-giving church, both in here and out there. Serving leads to strengthening, which leads to life-giving Now, this time last year, we spent a lot of time talking about serving in the church in a message series called Find Your Fits. Find Your Fit. And so if you weren't with us last year, I would encourage you to track that down on our website, message link at hopeville.org, and you'll find those messages there. But for now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is what I want you to know. The scriptures make it clear that the moment that you enter into capital L life with Jesus by knowing him personally as your savior, that God gives you a special place in the body of Christ. And he gives you unique gifts to serve others in that body. A special place in the body and unique gifts to serve that body. First, a special place. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 27. He says, now you plural you, you together are the body of Christ, and each one of you personally is a part of it. That's how the church is described, a body, right? Collectively, we're a part of it. Each one of us, we have a place. Where everyone is included, where no one is excluded. Not only that, but this passage of Scripture goes on to tell us that each one of us have a hand-picked place by God himself. A few verses earlier, it says this. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, look at this, just as he wanted them to be. What an honor. You think about this? The eternal God of this universe looks at each one of us and says, you have a special place on my kingdom team. And this special place is reserved exclusively just for you, tapped on the shoulder by the creator God himself who brought the universe and the cosmos into existence. This incredible, great being comes to us and says, I know you, I love you, and here's your special place. See, God does the assigning, we do the discovering. When it comes to this special place, God does the assigning. We don't pick our place, God does. But we do the discovering. And you know, a lot of times the discovering of that special place is just a matter of trial and error, right? We do different things, we serve in different ways. We pray for God's guidance to help us see that. We get feedback from other Christians. This is how we discover that special place of service in the body of Christ. 
that God assigns to us, right? So we're given a special place to serve. We're also given unique spiritual gifts to carry out our assignment. You know, one of my favorite passages about this comes from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. I know we've talked about this verse before, but each one of you should use whatever gift or gifts you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards means you don't own the gifts, they're God-given, right? To manage, to steward of God's grace in its various forms. See, the grace of God not only saves us from our sins, but it also sends us into service. Sends us into service, and when we use our God-given spiritual gifts to serve other people, just like Jesus did, you know what this says? It says that we, it says that you become a channel of his grace. His life-giving grace. I mean, think about it. What a privilege to be used by God like that in the lives of other people who desperately need a gracious touch from him. Now talk about a purpose that really matters, right? And yet that's what happens when we find our place, when we use our gifts to serve each other in the church. So when I think about our purpose, right, our life with purpose, when we live for something bigger than ourselves, and how that relates to serving in the church, I want us to get even more specific about what that looks like here at Hopewell, right? For starters, I want to go back to something that we've talked about in the past as a church that I think is really important here, and that has to do with our core ministry values that help make up our DNA here at Hopewell, right? And specifically, one of the values is the value of shared ministry, which simply says this, we want to be the kind of church where everybody is doing something rather than some people doing everything. If you've ever been part of church, if you've ever been part of a volunteer organization somewhere, you know it's usually the opposite, right? You usually know it's the whole 20-80 rule, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, some people doing everything. Well, we want to take the norm and switch it upside down because that's God's vision for the church. Everybody is doing something rather than some people doing everything, recognizing that we're all different ages and stages of life, that we all have different gifts, right? Understanding that. But you need to know, as I say this, this isn't just my hope for the church. This is God's plan for the church. And more specifically, it is God's plan for you. Remember, Special place, unique gifts. Special place, unique gifts. And so when you find your place, when you use your gifts to serve in the church, we all become better for it. We all become better for it. Both those that you're serving, because what did Peter say? He says, because when you're serving and using your gifts, God's grace is just flowing through you like crazy and blessing other people. But then also you become better for it, because now you are living for something bigger than yourself, which is all part of life with purpose. See, when we serve others in the name of Jesus, it is a win, win, win. Win, win, win. It glorifies God, it blesses others, and it grows us. Glorifies God, blesses others, and grows us. Serving grows us as Jesus followers, and God uses that to make us more and more like him in our everyday lives and removes us, right? makes us less and less the center of our own universe, where it's no longer about us, not so with you, and it becomes more and more all about him. And so these are just some of the many reasons why we're committed to this value of shared ministry, to be the kind of church where everybody is doing something, right, in their special place, with their unique gifts, rather than some people doing everything. So how do we make that desire 
a reality here at Hope Bell, and more specifically for each one of you. Well, this goes back to something I said earlier about our special place and our unique gifts that God assigns, we discover, right? God assigns, we discover. And so what we've found through the years here at the church is that this discovery process is a partnership. It's a partnership between you and the church. You and the church, and we each bring something to the table in that discovery process. So here's what that serving partnership looks like. First, for the church, specifically, you know, our ministry staff and other key leaders, our job is to provide for you opportunities, affirmation, equipping, and encouragement. Opportunities, hey, try this. Affirmation, you're good at fill in the blank. Equipping, you can grow in what you do by when an encouragement, way to go. So let's talk about these opportunities, right? I mean, it's our job to simply let you know our areas of need and invite you to come on board and give it a shot. That's why we put these cards on your seats, both campuses, right? Bay City, Saginaw, these serving cards. Go ahead and grab that. And I just want to walk you through this briefly, right? These cards are designed uh, for each campus uh, specifically. The one I have here is a Bay City campus. Uh, the one in Saginaw has kids and worship, welcome, and operations. Place for your name, place for your email, place for your phone number. And that if you want to test the water, if you want to jump in on the shallow end, you know, check one of those boxes. It's interesting. I, I, I copied the Bay City one here because there's a line here for set up and tear down. And you know what? That opportunity is available here in Saginaw and in Bay City. They gather every week, 8, 8.30 in the morning to set up for a half hour or so. You know, if you really play it well, you can make it back at 9.30 or certainly attend the 11.15 service. As a matter of fact, I heard just this week that we have a need for people who can drive pickups and pull trailers, right? So, like, you know, you spend all this money on a truck, right? And you love driving it. Do it for the Lord. I mean, really? Golly, there's got to be a good country song in there too, you know. But um, yeah, this is just awesome ministry. And I know that the people here in Saginaw who've gone up to Bay City to serve have really been encouraged by this. And so you want to dip your toes in the water. You fill this card out. We'll have people, uh, ushers on the way out, both campuses where you can drop it off. Or... It's a welcome to the 21st century. There is a texting option and that when you text SERVE to 989-300-0468, you'll get a message that looks like this, right? We'll just say, hey, thank you for responding. There'll be a link where you can click that link and fill out a form and then we'll get back to you by the end of the week and tell you a next step that you can make, right? It's just, this is about bringing down the walls, removing unnecessary barriers and allowing you to take a first step of service. All right, so opportunities is the first. Let's go back to the list. The second is affirmation, right? Affirmation happens when more mature Christians, seasoned leaders, see you thriving in a certain role, right, where you're serving and affirming your giftedness. And again, like I said earlier, sometimes, you know, finding that special place, understanding what our gifts are is trial and error, right? And so sometimes maybe we're committed to you know, a certain age group and we're serving with teens. 
And whether it's, you know, maybe you're doing this and you find that teaching up front isn't your gig, but boy, sitting down for a one-on-one conversation and meeting in smaller groups is, right? That's all part of finding your place. It's something that you would sense within you, but it's also that leaders around you would see. Equipping is an interesting word because it's what the Apostle Paul uses in the book of Ephesians for the role of the pastoral staff that our job is more about empowering than doing. Like a coach, like a personal trainer that we want to help you grow. We want to help you get better in whatever area of service you find yourself in. That may look like a book to read, a podcast to listen to, a conversation to have, some training to receive, or some stretching new experiences that'll grow your faith. That's equipping. And then finally, there's just encouragement, right? Because we all need a a way to go. Thank you so much. Or you will never realize the eternal kingdom impact that your faithful service is making. This life with purpose, right? And it all goes back to us living for something bigger than ourselves. It's what Jesus called his 12 to, and it's what he calls us to as well. So that's the church's end of this serving partnership, but what about you? What should each of you bring to the table? Here's how I would look at it. That because God has given you a special place in the body and unique gifts to serve him, I think it'd be great for you to offer your availability, your reliability, and your teachability. Your availability, hey, here I am, I'll give it a shot, right? Reliability, and I'll be there, and I'll keep showing up. And then teachability, an understanding of, wow, I want to grow in this and do what I'm called to even better. See, availability is saying to God and to us, I'll give it a try. And you know, one of the things I love about our staff here at Hopevale is that when it comes to getting involved in serving, they take a crawl, walk, run approach, right? Crawl, walk, run. In other words, if you raise your hand and said, I'd like to serve, we're not immediately going to give you a room full of rowdy fifth grade boys, throw the curriculum at you and say, see you in June, right? Some of you still have PTSD because you've been somewhere where that's happened to you before, right? No, we'll probably just start by, you know, offering you to observe or to shadow. You know, one of the things I appreciate about Jody and our Hopewell Kids ministry team is they look at experiences where you can just come alongside and see what it's like to work with infants and toddlers and preschoolers and new uh, elementary age children and so forth. And all that starts simply by saying, I'll give it a try. And then the second is reliability, right? That once you're on board, you're serving, you're, you're faithful. And you're faithful not just to show up, but you're also faithful to come prepared. Come prepared both practically and spiritually, right? And all of us staff know that things happen, that life isn't always predictable. So reliability doesn't mean perfection, but it does mean faithfulness. Faithfulness. And finally, teachability, right? That's the other side of the equipping coin, and teachability is about attitude and action. In attitude, there's just this genuine desire on your part to want to learn and stretch and grow and become better at serving. And then action is actually doing something about it where you invest the time, the emotional, spiritual energy that's needed to make that happen, right? Availability. Reliability, teachability. You know, I've seen God 
not only use all three of these in my own life and, you know, despite all my imperfections, but I've also seen it in so many of your lives here at Hope Bell, right? I really love that we are embracing this value of shared ministry where you're growing as servants of Jesus because you're rooted in his life. And because of that, you're experiencing a greater kingdom purpose that is truly worth living for, a purpose that is far going to last all of us, right? Listen, this same life with purpose awaits all of us who know Jesus personally. A life with purpose that flows out of our life with, and guess what? It just begins with a raised hand and an open heart, right? A raised hand that says to God, God, here I am, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to serve you, Lord, by serving others. And to do that in my special place and with my unique gifts. God, it would be an honor that you could use me as a channel of blessing to encourage others and to glorify your precious name. I would love for Hope Bell to be a raised hand kind of church, to be an open heart kind of church, where we just look at the Lord, however he's leading, and just say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the life the teaching, the model, the example of your son, our Savior, Jesus. Who not only exposed the counterfeits in our pursuit of purpose, but showed us the real thing. That it's not about being served, but serving and giving our life away for something that is so much bigger than ourselves, your kingdom, your glory, and your honor. Lord, like I said in the message, it's incredible that you have not only saved our souls, but you send us into service. And you give us a special place, handpicked by you. And you give us unique gifts. And when we serve out of those, Lord, it's not about us. Your grace flows through us like crazy. And we get to bless each other. Become a stronger church. Become a more life-giving church. One that honors you and blesses others. And so help us to do that. And Lord, the collective impact of that is one life at a time. One story at a time here, Lord. And it simply begins by just saying, Lord, here I am. I'm ready. Let me take a step. Or for some of us, it's let me take a next step. Because you're calling us to something even bigger and better and scarier by faith to this place where we will experience even more of your life. So do that. That as you call us, we will follow. Asking all this, praying in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we think about that, I want us to stand. Let us respond in worship and express our hearts to the Lord. I could just sit, 
I could just sit and wait for all your goodness Hope to feel your presence I could just stay I could just stay right where I And hope to feel you Hope to feel something again
When, when you say, I'll go where you lead me, Lord, that is an I'm ready kind of statement. And I just want us to be an available church, right? Because God is more interested in your availability than your ability. However he's gifted you, use those gifts to serve him by serving others. Next week, we are going to wrap up our series, our life series, and talk more about our life with purpose. We're also going to share communion together as a church family, but as you go from here, may you go wherever the Lord leads you out of his grace and his goodness. God bless you. Thank you.